If you have your Bibles, turn with us to 1 John, the first epistle of John, chapter 3. We're going to look in one verse today, one verse. Yeah, one, one verse today, verse 24. As you're turning there, just some information for you. Luke's gospel, it places a significant emphasis on the Holy Spirit. In the third century, the third century Bible teacher, St. Origen, he said it this way in reference to the emphasis that Luke records of the Holy Spirit. He said, Christ is born. The Spirit is a forerunner. Christ is baptized and the Spirit bears witness of him. Christ is tempted and the Spirit leads him up. Christ ascends and the Spirit fills his place. Throughout Luke's gospel, what we find is in everything that Jesus does, the Spirit is there. You know, this is a reminder that everything that Jesus accomplished while on earth, it was done by the power of his Holy Spirit. Well, somewhere between September and October this last year, this past year, our church council began meeting to discuss and to pray for direction for the year 2024. In our meetings, we began to discuss how the Lord was speaking to us about developing a church theme for 2024. Now, we know what our church motto is. Our church motto, our church mission is that we are loving and we're living and we're sharing the gospel. But each year, we, for the last two years, we've had a theme to help us carry that motto out. And, and last year, uh, in that discussion that we had, one team member asked, has there been any evidence that the 2023 theme has impacted our church this past year? So in case you didn't know, the theme for this past year was in his service. The year prior was in his steps. And so just thinking about last year being in his service, um, in an effort to hear from you, a couple weeks ago we sent out some surveys along with the bulletins in every classroom, in every Sunday school class. The purpose was for the church council to hear from you of whether or not the theme has had an impact on you so that we'd know what kind of impact these themes may be having on the church. It was your way of having input in some decisions that we're trying to make as we feel God is leading us. I will say this. We got just a few of them back and you still have time to send them in. (laughs) Now that you know why we're doing it, (laughs) you have time to send them in. We got a few back and the few that we got were very encouraging. Your feedback means a lot to us. Um, 
So what we began to ask ourselves were, how can we build on 2024's theme? Or how can we build 2024 on the theme from 2023? And out of that discussion, we realized that the only way I can, our committee can, this church can live our lives out in his service is by his spirit. So that's the church theme for this year is by his spirit. Everything we get to accomplish as a church family will be accomplished by his spirit. Everything that is that is worthy that we do in this building in outside of this building as a representative of this local congregation that has an impact in our community. It will be done by his spirit because we can't do anything good with and within ourselves without him leading and guiding us. Contrary to popular opinion, there is nothing good about us. And so because of that, whatever we do, good will be done by his spirit. And today we get to look at our theme verse. Verse 24 in chapter 3 of 1 John, the Bible says this, Now, he who keeps his commandments abide or abides in him, and him in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Let me make sure we understand what John is saying. Now, he, he, speaking about us, who keeps his, speaking about Christ or God's commandments, abides in Christ and Christ in us. And by this, we know that Christ abides in us by the spirit whom Christ has given us. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this day that you've given us that we can look into your word. Help us today, God, to see your word for what it is. And God, help us to apply it to our lives. God, this is truth. And if we can apply your truth to our lives, our lives will be lived out much better than we could ever imagine. God, you have more for us than we have for ourselves. You've invested more in us than we could ever invest in ourselves. So help us this day, God, to be about your business by living our lives out by your spirit. Help us, God, this day. May you be glorified in all that's said and done. And God, you move and minister upon those who may be lost in this place today. And as you do, we'll trust you in everything that is done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Human nature helps us to understand that the question why always leads to the question how. Once we become satisfied with an explanation or we've decided to agree to disagree when it comes to the question why, then we transition to the question how. The, the how question can sometimes be offered up out of curiosity or out of fear of not knowing what's going on 
or how this is going to actually take place. In the life of the believer, this is extremely apparent. We often will read or we're taught that principles in the Bible or in the scriptures that we, we don't know how to live them out. Some of these principles we think are very challenging. And I would say that if we try to live them out in our own power, in our own strength, in our own will, <laughs> we're going to find that they are hard to live out. Maybe that's, maybe if I, maybe I'll make more sense if, I'm, if I say it this way. Some youth don't know how to live a Christian life while being in middle school and high school. Some young adults don't know, who've yet to get married, don't know how to live for Christ and, and be sexually pure. Some are surrounded by sinful behavior, sinful attitudes, sinful language on their jobs, and they don't know how they can be an example for Christ uh, and keep their jobs. Some don't know how they can trust God with their finances and give him their first fruits uh, of their labor when they're starting a family and, and even maybe have a mortgage. Uh, some don't know how to live for Christ when they live with a spouse who wants nothing to do with him or his church. So in this verse, what we read with the preceding verses is John gives us the answer to the how. And it begins when we obey God's commands and we abide in him. Without a serious look in this passage, many will think that the apostle John, the commands that he is speaking of, are speaking of the Ten Commandments. However, in the context of this passage, John, John, he is narrowing our view to, to two commands. And he, when he speaks of these two commands, we have to understand that when we obey these two commands, these two, com we will find ourselves in obedience to all that God wants us to be obedient to. Verse 23 gives us those commands. When we look up there, the Bible says this, and this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, now, when we look here at this, we have to first understand that we are to believe on the name of Jesus. We are to believe on his son, Jesus Christ. When, when I was a child and, and when I was in my teens, well, let me be honest, as long as I lived in the house with my dad, I obeyed him. You know, I wasn't encouraged to ask the question, why? Critical thinking was not something I knew anything about until just a few years ago in conversations with Taylor. Not that she was questioning, she was just trying to help me to understand there's more to what I'm reading than what I'm seeing. 
And in those discussions, I find out that's all they want us to do in this program I'm in is think critically. I'm behind the eight ball in this program. I've never had to do that. So I'm learning because I had a father who gave a command. And when he gave a command, he didn't want to know. He didn't want to hear why. He just wanted to see it done. And I learned at an early age, it was in my best interest just to go ahead and follow whatever his command was. But today, you know, it's just not enough. It's not enough for someone to stand in a pulpit like this and behind a roster like this and declare that Jesus is Jesus Christ is God's son. Today, people are looking for more because I said so just isn't enough for them. I want to share with you. God has invested more in you than you will ever invest in yourself. And that's reason enough right there. You know, uh, when, stay with me with this. When God called Abram away from his people, Abram was somewhere around 70 to 75 years of age. By faith, Abram obeyed God. But much time went by from chapter 12 in the book of Genesis to chapter 15 in the book of Genesis. In chapter 15 of Genesis, what we find is the word of God came to to, uh, Abram in a vision. God said to Abram, I am your shield and your great reward. Uh, God told Abram, I'm your shield, I'm your protection. But not only that, I'm your reward. In other words, I'm enough. I'm enough. But Abram was hung up on not having children at that time. God had promised to make him a great nation, but still over these years, he still didn't have a child. And God told him that he would have a child from his own flesh. And, and so God took him outside and he, he showed him the stars in the sky and said, just as you see these stars, that's how your descendants will be. And the Bible says in verse six that Abram believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness then the Lord was he was going to seal this covenant that he made with Abram right then and there and seal it with blood Abram brought the Lord a calf he brought him a goat he brought him a turtle dove and he brought him a pigeon they took the calf and the goat cut it in half faced toward each other uh, with some space in between took the turtle dove and the pigeon they didn't cut it in half but they killed it and faced them with e- uh, toward each other and blood poured out of these animals and it was like a little stream that ran right between them. And instead of both Abram and God walking through that blood together to seal the covenant, Abram went to sleep. A deep sleep fell upon Abram. And when Abram finally awoke, he, he was awakened by this burning torch, this smoking oven. He was awakened by the presence of God. And this was such, it was similar to that, 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 that the people of Israel saw when Moses went up into Mount Moriah and, and to get the, the, the Mount Sinai, to get the, the, the Ten Commandments from God. When they saw that smoke up there, this is similar to what Abraham woke up to. When he woke up, there was no blood because that smoking oven and that burning torch had went through it. God sealed the covenant. What we got to understand is God sealed this covenant without Abraham. Abraham had nothing to do 
with God's covenant. Abraham was asleep when God made this covenant. Somebody should have shouted right there. Why? Because God was saying, Abram, this is my covenant with you. And I'm going to be faithful to my covenant. When you're not faithful, I'm going to be faithful. I will remain faithful. I have sealed it. All Abram you have to do is receive this covenant. You're lost, aren't you? You're wondering. I know so somebody's wondering, what has this got to do with what we started off with? Well, what does this have to do with believing on the name of Jesus Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because I want to tell you that God was, God is, and God forever will be faithful. And because Abram had the promised son, the promised son had two sons and and one of those sons had 12 sons and and those 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel and one of those sons by the name of Judah he he from his lineage in the fullness of time come a babe who was born in a stable in Bethlehem and that son was born of a virgin and conceived by the Holy Spirit he lived a sinless life obeying his heavenly father perfectly he did many things in the power of the Holy Spirit and for that he was beaten at a whipping post and his blood poured out then he was uh, marched up Galgotha's hill and he was nailed to a cross and more blood poured out and in that time he became the fulfillment of God's covenant he became the fulfillment he was the the smoking the smoking oven and the burning torch that nailed that was nailed there on a tree and all we have to do is receive it he sealed the covenant you know Satan while he was on that cross Satan thought he had extinguished this torch he thought he had extinguished this burning um, this burning oven but as a matter of fact they buried him in a borrowed tomb but on the third day he was raised victorious over death hell and the grave and all we have to do is by faith believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so he sent his son to die for us he raised his son from the dead he calls us to himself he forgives our sins he sends his holy spirit to dwell with us to lead us to guide us to direct us he keeps his covenant and all we have to do is receive what he's offered to us god's covenant with you and me is that if we will believe On the name of Jesus, he will forgive our sins and save us from the penalty of our sin. And we can live with him forever, in eternity, free of the power and the presence of sin. But there's a second commandment. The second commandment is that we love as he commanded us. Now, often we say that we love everyone, and I I don't doubt that born-again believers love everyone, or at least we try to. I believe we all struggle with loving one another as he has commanded us. There's a difference in loving each other and loving as he has commanded We are to love one another 
as we love ourselves. Well, that changes how I should look at you. It changes how you should look at me. It changes how we should look at each other. You see, in 1 John 3, 16 through 18, the Bible says this. But this we know love. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. Just as Christ laid down his life for us, we should be willing to lay down our lives for each other. I, you ain't got to say it. <laughs> I know we ain't there yet. If I was to poll, there's two people in this place that might would lay their life down for me. I know that. But we should be striving to get there. We should all strive to get there. Can I get honest with us? He doesn't say for our family. We have no problem laying down our lives for our children, our grandchildren, our spouses. But John says for the brethren. He means that we who are born again believers should be willing and able to lay down our lives for one another. John continues by saying that if you are in need, just as you would want someone not to close their heart off to you in your need, then we can't close our heart off to someone else in need. We can't shut people out because of their lifestyle. We can't shut people out because... They put themselves in that situation. We can't shut people out because they knew better. He doesn't say that. He says, if you see someone in need, don't shut your heart up to them. What he says here is that our love is to be demonstrated. Not just spoken. Let me help us with this. We shouldn't speak to each other any different than we want someone to speak to us. We shouldn't use a tone that we don't want anyone else to use with us. We shouldn't neglect anyone if we don't want to be neglected. We shouldn't criticize anyone if we don't want to be criticized. If we want to be encouragers, then we have to be encouragers. If we want to be encouraged, we have to be encouragers. If we want to be forgiven of our shortcomings, then we have to forgive others their shortcomings. However, we want to be treated is how we must treat others. Proverbs 17 and 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18 and 24, a man who has friends must 
himself be friendly. We cannot justifiably criticize someone for not doing something that we're unwilling to do ourselves. So, and, you know, when I say we, I'm speaking about people in general. Just people in general. This is who we are, a people in general all across the world. We're good at loving people based upon how they love and treat us. But we must be working to love others despite how they love and treat us. It's not easy, but it's what's commanded of us. So it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what others say. It doesn't matter another interpretation of this passage. This is clearly what the scripture says and we must follow it. In the text, John says that when we keep his commandments, believing on the name of Jesus and loving one another as he's commanded us, then we're pleasing in God's sight. Why does it please him? Because we keep these commandments. We are abiding in him and he's abiding in us. And he delights to abide in us and delights for us to abide in him. The word abide, it means to stay. That's what it means, to stay. In other words, to dwell in God. We who have been born again are passionately or positionally placed in Christ. We take our residence in him. We walk in a newness of life and the newness of life is lived in him. We are at home in him. And and that's why we can't find peace. We can't find contentment. We can't find joy in this world. we, We will never have any of that until we're in him because in him is our home. But he also takes residence in us. He lives and he moves within us and he talks to us. He walks with us. He reveals to us. He leads us. He guides us. He disciplines us. He disciples us. He he convicts us. He convinces us and he empowers us. And he does all of these things for the purpose of conforming us into the image of his only begotten son. How does he do this? Now, We're at that question from earlier. How? By giving us the gift of his Holy Spirit. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do all that he commands. When it seems impossible, when you look or you read about Abraham and Moses and and Elijah and David and all these men, every good thing they've done had nothing to do with their skill set, had nothing to do with their power, had nothing to do with who they were. All it had to do was the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through them. That's why Jesus says you can do greater than I've done because as a body of believers and the Holy Spirit working in us, we can be in more places where he was in one place at one time and if the Holy Spirit is moving and he is working and he is leading and he is guiding and he is empowering us we can do great things in this world we can't limit what God is wanting to do in us he has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit and he will never leave us nor forsake us he is always providing for us assurance and confidence that his presence and his power is near. So let me take time to answer those questions that were posed a little earlier. 
for our youth who don't know how to live the Christian life while in middle school and high school, by his spirit is how you will live it. For unwed young adults who don't know how to live for Christ and remain sexually pure, by his spirit is how you do it. For those who are surrounded by sinful behavior and, and sinful attitudes and language on their jobs, how do, you, how do you demonstrate Christ on a job in those circumstances? By his spirit. Those who don't know how to trust God with their finances, you do it by his spirit. Those living with a spouse who, who wants nothing to do with the Lord, wants nothing to do with the church, you live before them by his spirit. Folks, I want to say this, we're going to only get through 2024 and it being an election year after everything that went down from 2020 to 2022 by his spirit how will we navigate changes that God wants for our church by his spirit how will we draw closer to one another as a church family only by his spirit how will the community be able to point to this place and say the folks that go to church there love, live, and share the gospel by his spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. So our musicians are making their way for our song of invitation. If you're a born-again believer and you want to recommit yourself to trusting that he is empowering us to keep his commands... You want to recommit to allowing him to work through you to lead this local congregation to be what it wants us to be. This altar is open. This is the first Sunday of a new year. This altar is open. I'll ask Brother Curly, Brother Tim. Brother Roger, I'm going to ask Miss Kelly. I'm going to ask Miss Katie if they would just come up, line up, face the congregation, and just be here. If you want to come and pray, if you want prayer, let these pray for you. Let these just pray with you that this year is going to be a year that we're going to seek God's face and everything that we do is going to be by his spirit would y'all come would y'all come but if you're here today and you're not sure that he is abiding in you and you in him. Chances are he's not. 
But today you can be assured. These men, these women are here to pray with you. If you are here and you know Jesus as Savior. And you know he's abiding with you. But if you are not sure. If he is not abiding with you. I want to ask you. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? That he is God's only begotten son did he savior of the world do you believe that he died for your sins and he was raised from the grave for your victory if you believe this it is only because the holy spirit has revealed this to you so now will you trust him by faith and receive jesus as your lord and savior Are you ready to trust the Holy Spirit to follow and follow his command to not only believe in Jesus, but to love others as well? Oh, if that's you and you're ready today, if they begin to sing this song of invitation, I'd love to pray with you. If you're ready to start this new year with Jesus, as your Savior.